Tales from Herodotus, Croesus, based on 1.3 to 3.4, DCSE Greek Literature, Prose, Set Text, 2018-2019. Having gone abroad, Solon came to Sardis into the presence of Croesus, and having arrived, he was entertained in the royal palace by Croesus. But afterwards, on the third or fourth day, Croesus ordering it, the attendants led Solon all around the treasure chambers, and showed him all the great wealth that there was. When Solon had looked at everything, Croesus asked him this, Athenian stranger, many stories have come to us about you, and because of your birth, your wisdom and travel, and so now desire has come upon me to ask if you know who is the most blessed of all people. Croesus asked this, supposing that he was the most blessed of men. However, Solon, not using flattery but employing reality, said, O king, tell us the Athenian. But Croesus, astonished at what had been said, asked, Indeed, how do you judge Tellus to be the most blessed? And he said, For one thing, Tellus had children who were fine and good, and he saw children born to all of them, and they all survived. And for another thing, the end of his life was very glorious. For when the Athenians had a battle against their neighbors in Eleusis, having come to help and having routed the enemy, he died most nobly. And the Athenians buried him at public expense where he had fallen, and they honored him greatly. When Solon described the story of Tellus, Croesus asked who he thought was the second after that man, by which he meant Tellus, thinking that he would at least certainly carry off the second prize. But he said, Both Cleobus and Biton, for both these men belonged to the Argive race, and had a sufficient livelihood, and in addition to this, bodily strength of this sort. They were both equally prize-winning. Moreover, this story is told. During the festival of Hera, it was absolutely necessary for their mother to be carried to the temple in a cart. But the oxen did not appear from the field in time. The young men, getting under the yoke themselves, they dragged the cart and their mother rode in the cart. And they arrived at the temple, having carried her forty-five states. When they had done this, and had been seen by the festive gathering, they died a very honorable death. And in these things, the gods showed that it is better for a man to die than to live. For on one hand, the Argive men, standing around, were congratulating the strength of the young men. On the other hand, the Argive women were congratulating the mother for the kind of children she had. And the mother, being overjoyed both by the dead and by the reputation, standing facing the statue, prayed to the goddess to give both Cleobus and Biton what is best for a man to meet with. But after this prayer, when they had both sacrificed and had been entertained for the banquet, having fallen asleep in the temple itself, the young men rose no more. They had this end. And the Argives, having made statues of them, put them up at Delphi as they were the best of men. Solon awarded second place and happiness to these men. On the other hand, Croesus said hastily, O stranger of Athens, has our good fate indeed been discarded as nothing in such a way that you have not considered us worth as much as common men? And Solon said, O Croesus, you have asked me about the affairs of men, but I know that the god is both spiteful and troublesome. You appear to me to be greatly wealthy and the king of many men, but I say that you are not yet fortunate until you learn, until I learn that you have ended your life well. 
it is necessary to examine how the end of everything will turn out. For the god, having offered a glimpse of happiness to many, he overturns them utterly. Solon saying these things in no way pleased Croesus, and Croesus, considering him of no account, has him sent away, thinking that he is very ignorant, who recommends that you look at the end of every matter, having disregarded present good fortune. But after Solon had departed, a great retribution for the, from the gods took Croesus, presumably because he thought that he was the most blessed of all men. For the Persians both captured Sardis and took prisoner Croesus himself, who had ruled for 14 years, and thus, having captured Croesus, led him to Cyrus. But Cyrus, having built up a huge funeral pyre, he made both Croesus ascend to it, bound in chains, chains, and fourteen Lydian children along with him. To Croesus, standing on the pyre, there came to him the words of Solon, although he was in such great trouble, spoken as with divine inspiration, no living creature is blessed. And having collected himself and groaned, after a long silence he called on Solon by name three times. And Cyrus, having heard this, ordered the translators to ask Croesus who he had invoked. And they, having gone up to him, asked. But Croesus, on one hand, kept silent for a long time through the questioning. But later he said that Solon had once come, who was an Athenian, and having looked at everything, he belittled his, Croesus's, wealth. And everything had turned for him the way Solon said, saying nothing more relevant to Croesus than to all people, and especially those thinking to themselves that they were blessed. On the one hand, Croesus was explaining this, but on the other hand, the edges of the fire, having been set alight, were burning, and Cyrus, having heard from the translators what Croesus said, and having changed his mind and realized that he, being a man himself, had given another man who was his equal in happiness alive to the fire, Cyrus ordered the burning fire to be quenched as quickly as possible, and both Croesus and those with Croesus to descend. But those trying were still not able to control the fire. Then Croesus, having learnt of Cyrus's change of heart, he shouted out to Apollo, calling upon him to stand beside him and rescue him from this present evil. On one hand, Croesus, weeping, called upon the god. On the other hand, clouds suddenly gathered out of the clear sky and calm, and a storm both broke out and poured down with furious water, and the fire was extinguished. The Alcmeonids were, on one hand, famous even long ago in Athens, but they became especially famous from the time of Alcmaeon and later of Megacles. For Alcmaeon became a supporter of the Lydians from Sardis, who were arriving from Croesus and received them willingly. But Croesus, having learnt this, sent for him to Sardis. When Alcmaeon arrived, Croesus presented him with as much gold as he was able to carry away on his body all at one time. And Alcmaeon, having put on a large tunic and having left a deep fold in the tunic, and having put on the widest boots he could find, he went into the treasure chamber. Having fallen into a heap of gold dust, he at first stuffed in, alongside his shins, as much gold as his boots could hold. And then, having filled every fold with gold, 
and having sprinkled some gold dust to the hair of his head, and having taken some more into his mouth, he went out of the treasure chamber, dragging his boots with difficulty, and resembling anything rather than a man. For his mouth had been crammed full, as, as so everything was swollen. Laughter came upon Croesus seeing this, and he gives all of that to him, and in addition other things not less than that.' 